friends, and welcome to the StoryForge podcast, where we believe making things matters. I'm Lyle Smith, your host. I'm a writer, a storyteller, a reader of fiction and history, a movie fanatic, a collector of useless information, skeptic of the new Live Golf Tour, and friend of creatives everywhere. But as usual, none of that matters to what we're doing right now. Now what matters is the conversation I've collected to share with you today. Scott Mann is that rarest of birds in the jungle, a native of Central Florida. He is an entrepreneur, a tech enthusiast, a tech professional, developer of websites and maker and executor of marketing strategies. He is a true digital nomad, an Emmy Award winner, founder of High Forge, the creative marketing collective, which we will talk about at length. And most importantly for this show, he is a transformer. Uh, after something of a traumatic event in his life that we talk about a bit, uh, he, he grew an extraordinarily successful digital agency that he transformed utterly from the ground up into a collective of talented, creative people who, who execute the marketing needs of their clients at the highest levels of efficiency. In short, he reinvented the creative agency and made it better for the pros, the creatives, the salespeople, and the clients alike. We had a great talk uh, about where he comes from, about what he's done, uh, some of his experiences, what he likes to do, and how he did all of this. And you can listen to it right now. So, how are you? How you how you been? Ah, uh, fantastic! Life has been good. I've got no complaints. Uh, weather's been good. Very good. And you're at, you're at home at the moment. Yes. Yep. Uh, we have a fully remote workforce. So I, uh, almost always am working from home or the road. Yep. And we've, we've talked about, um, you know, I, we'll, I'll talk more about this later, but I, I, this, this concept of being a digital nomad, I know is attractive to you. How much of your, uh, your, your choice of, of destination, uh, is wrapped up in, you know, um, uh, you know, b business versus, uh, you know, curiosity of, of, uh, of, uh, you know, citizen of the world, you know, somebody who wants to go and explore. There, there's really only one rule. Uh, yeah. The internet needs to work. <laughs> Very good. Where do you, cause I don't know. I don't, I've never asked you this. Where, where do you come from? Where is, where, where is, you know, when you say home, home right now is Orlando, but where, where is home? Where do you, where, where'd you grow up? Let's start there. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of interesting in and of itself in that I grew up in very rural central Florida. Um, I'm third generation Floridian and, um, you know, kind of grew up in the shadow of the mouse, as they say. <laughs> uh, my first job was at Medieval Times and uh, oh, really? my second job was at Disney World. So, you know, I mean, uh, 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 but... But where I grew up was in uh, in a place called St. Cloud, which now is kind of a suburb of Orlando. But uh, in in the 70s and 80s, it was like, you know, a two light town with a bunch of cow fields. That was, right. you know, our high school didn't even have, you know, I, I was in drama club and, and in a bunch of sports. And, you know, we didn't even have a theater. Uh, in, really? in, in the entire in the entire city like you know our our stage was a classroom it was a uh, very little investment in the arts very little money you know uh very small town kind of feel and so you know i 
you'd expect I would grow up and uh, build fences for a living or be fixing cars or, you know, roofing houses. That's the common, you know, uh, situation for for kids growing up uh, in, in rural Florida. Right. Or rural anywhere, really. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder because you, now, you, now you've kind of made the transition into, I mean, yeah, you're a marketing pro, but you're really... In a, in a lot of ways focused on on sort of high tech and and sort of the tech startup world and and what's what Orlando has become uh, as as a world of business opportunity uh, how does how does a kid from rural central Florida grow into that what are, like what did, what, did you, what were your folks like what did your folks do yeah so uh, it, it's a good this is a this is a, a kind of an interesting interesting story in that uh, I I did I, I'm I'm kind of a prototypical Gen Xer right like I grew up in a world without the internet but the internet was coming of age as I was coming of age right so this kind of helps explain the story to a certain degree in in the macro time scale uh, but uh, my my father was probably the number one mechanic in the state of Florida in the seventies. And, um, he was kind of the mechanics mechanic, other, other, if, if a mechanic couldn't fix something, they would, they would go to my dad. Oh wow! And my dad was kind of a backyard mechanic. He worked for Goodyear for 20 years before that. He, you know, he's a mechanic for race cars before that he worked on jet planes and Jeeps in the military. Like, yeah, he was, he was kind of the real deal. And, um, he, he made a conscious decision, I think when I was a kid, cause um, I have an older brother and he taught my older brother how to fix cars and right. kind of, you know, brought him up the way he was brought up. But for whatever reason, he had decided he was not going to go that route with me. And he refused to teach me how to fix cars. He wouldn't let me into the garage. Really? And uh, I think he saw something. I think my my father really saw something um, because you know when I was a kid, you know he bought me he bought me you know gaming systems. He bought you know and this is going to date me a bit here. You know, the first computer I ever touched was a TRS eighty, and before that, you know, right after that was a Commodore sixty four. And he he pushed these things my way and said, "Stay out of the garage, play with these things." Right. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, it, it, it kept me from being a redneck and turned me into a computer nerd. <laughs> right, right. Well, I, re I remember all of those machines, actually. So uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I always, I always want to ask, because especially people who, who end up in, in such entrepreneurial um, roles in their lives, um, if they had that sort of an in, uh, influence early on because like I, I didn't I kind of backed into it all um but your dad you say your dad was a was a was the mechanics mechanic which I I really I love that idea uh I have this picture of, of somebody anything that requires a wrench I can fix you know <laughs> yep. uh, so did he have his own operation what how was there was yeah, there an so entrepreneurial seed planted early or yeah, my my dad ran a number of like mechanic slash gas stations in you know in in Central Florida when I was growing up. But uh, it, I mean, <laughs> the best way to describe my dad is a man who gave his business away. Um, he uh, he 
he kind of he grew up uh, he my and I also had an old dad so this is this this is interesting my my dad was born in 1929 wow and you know he joined the military you know right at right at the end of World War II when he was 17 mm-hmm. um and you know was paratrooper and and then you know that, that you couldn't you couldn't turn the you couldn't turn the shoots back then so wherever the wind took you is where you ended up and right I think after he broke his ribs the sixth time, he started working on Jeeps. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, but, but when he got out of the military, yeah, that's what he was doing. He, you know, they taught him how to work on these vehicles and he brought that, you know, to, to the world and was, was fixing everybody's stuff and running these shops. But, uh, no one ever taught my dad how to run a business. And, um, I think, you know, he died almost so many times and he just, he just had any, and, and he came out of the great depression and he just, he had nothing but give in his heart, nothing but give. And, you know, this is a, a, a big part of maybe, maybe the way I grew up the way I did, but um, he never charged people. If they didn't have money, he didn't charge them. You know, it was like, and, and, after after his businesses failed because he never collected money he became a backyard mechanic right and you know continued to fix everybody's vehicles mostly for free and i cannot tell you how many people would just like show up at our house with random devices or big bags of produce or here's all the oranges i picked from my farm and you know that's it was a bar, almost a barter system at you know at that point wow. just everybody dropping stuff off Every single hitchhiker, and then again, a different time, a different era, sure. but every hitchhiker we ever saw, my father pulled over and picked them up and took them down the road. Didn't matter what they looked like, the color of their skin, whether they were, were wearing shoes or a shirt, he was picking them up and taking them down the road wherever they wanted to go. Um, anytime he saw a car with a hood up on the side of the road, I, I, I'm not, I can't count how many times you know, we, we pulled over and fixed somebody's car. <laughs> wow. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that may be a, a throwback, you know, as much to, I mean, the great depression kind of mentality. Um, I remember my parents, my parents were the next generation, uh, really, I think, um, my grandparents were a little bit older than your dad. Um, but they grew up in that sort of depression era thing. And I remember them telling stories like that. And it's always, you know, this sense of, of, you know, helping out somebody or just being really aware of when people need help. Yeah. You no. Know? And, uh, like, cause when you're, when you're on the side of the road with your hood up, it's you're, you're, I mean, you're stranded, you're there. And especially in those days before, before the, the world of cell phones, and yeah, no cell phones, no internet, when you're no, stranded, yeah. you're stranded. And, yeah. and, and if you don't get help, you're, still stranded yeah um so that's i mean that's an interesting thing that to be able to um uh when, when you're able to help somebody to help them and, so he was absolutely entrepreneurial but he yeah. was a failed entrepreneur on many many <laughs> levels um and and it's funny you know i followed his path to a certain degree yeah um i think uh you know i learned some hard lessons mm-hmm. uh because i started my own business kind of the same way i I gave away most of my business for the first maybe five or six years of my career. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it w- I loved what I was doing. And yeah. uh, I-, I was I was shocked people would even pay me money for it. I was having so much fun. 
<laughs> well, let's let's talk about that a little bit. How when when did that get started? I grew up a gamer. You know, the the second the second toy my dad ever bought me when it, when I was a kid was an Atari twenty six hundred, and I grew up. <laughs> I grew up in, you know, in in bowling alleys playing in the arcade, right? Yeah. Like this is a very rural upbringing. This is what, you know, the arcade was the was that's like apex it. of entertainment, right? So, um I'm a gamer at heart at this point and the T3 connection comes in and suddenly I find myself playing front edge um video games that were internet connected where i'm playing real-time video games with hundreds of people all over the world right and this is weird for a kid from saint cloud cow country like i'm making friends with people in finland and the (laughs) netherlands and japan and and we're all like forming bonds and becoming friends and Some of these people that I met and gamed with in 1996 are still my friends today. That's cool. The the barriers to connecting humanity came came down almost almost instantly yeah, in the yeah. late 90s. Yeah. Uh you're exactly right and it it was a beautiful thing to behold because I think, you know, and this is prior to social media, this was this was our generation's equivalent of of uh, I, I don't know, maybe, uh, like, like the coming of age in the sixties and seventies when everybody was, you know, doing mind altering substances, right. The internet was kind of our, our awakening, you know, as a, as a, as a generation. And then all of a sudden, like I said, the web becomes the web and then businesses start realizing, uh, I guess what's the bigger businesses at first that, you know, I kind of need to, I don't know what it's for, but I need to have a website. Um, which I got to think is where you were right on the edge of all that coming around right for sure so this is you know uh, uh we're getting we're getting really close to where this is starting to become you know a, a bigger thought than just a hobby on the side right right but what's really interesting about this hobby on the side was as some of these early gaming communities start started to mature they started to really become i mean they were really being run by volunteers and kind of by uh by the fact that I'm I'm going to school and I have a shocking amount of free time on my hands because I don't really have to study I'm passing all my classes without really needing to think about it right. I've got a shocking amount of free time on my hands and I'm learning how to do all this stuff right. and you know I I have a passion for for the hobby that we're playing mm-hmm. I ended up uh helping run you know, these competitive tournaments online and and helping run these complex systems for tracking everybody's rankings and and even putting together teams to referee these competitive matches. And I mean, the game, you know, the, you know, kind of the main game where I spent most of my time back then was a game called Subspace, which was made by Virgin Interactive way back before they knew what they had. Right. And it was essentially asteroids, if you remember that old game. I do. It was asteroids, but instead of one little ship shooting at asteroids, it was 300 ships all controlled by people shooting at each other at the same oh, time. Oh, wow. That's it was incredible. But anyway, so you're so you're doing this, you're, you're developing, you're, you're so, managing yeah. these so, tournaments. So you're, I'm and... managing a team of all these volunteers, right? Yeah. Like, and I don't know. Like, I think people in the nonprofit industry will understand this deeply, but managing teams of volunteers is a true test of leadership, right? Yeah. 
here I am a college kid and I'm essentially managing a team of about 40 volunteers, right. which is like wrangling cats. Nobody's <laughs> getting paid to do this, Yeah, but we're, we're accomplishing some really great things together. But this is also, you know, where I learn, I didn't realize it at the time, but I'm cutting my teeth on running teams. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I would, that's where I was going to go with this question is because is, now you're developing all these same skills that you would use, not just, you know, sort of the freelance developer school skills, which are important, but the, you know, how, how do you um, gather, assess skill sets, uh, assign people to, to tasks and projects, um, and then manage them and, and uh, incentivize them, inspire them to get it done, um, which is all stuff that you need in a professional capacity that I know plenty of people who, who, <laughs> who have those jobs who don't know how to do it very well. Yeah. Yeah. And this was, this was also my first exposure to, um, positions of authority who are beholden to, to a user base, which is wow. in a, it, it's, this is also almost an introduction to politics. Yeah. Because the reality is, is no matter how good of a leader it, you are, there's still going to be a, a large constituency that doesn't like your decisions. Right. And they right. want things to be run a different way, right? So uh, I'm also dealing with politics and the politics of leadership and, and PR issues, right? Like, oh, we're going to change the rule in the game because everybody wants to do this. But there's this loud vocal minority that's like, we hate you. You're a Nazi and you know, you all suck. Right. Like, right. And having to deal with this, right. Like, right. so I'm learning politics, I'm learning leadership and I'm learning, you know, actual skills in building these websites and, and, and coding and doing graphic design and writing copy and all of these things are happening. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, this, it, and when I graduated, my first thought was, I wonder, I wonder if, if any of my friends from high school have started businesses and need a website, right? Right. That was, that was, that, that's, that's exactly what it was. So this is around 2000, 2001. Okay. The first dot-com boom is in full swing and is about to go into full bust. Right. Uh, Pets.com is about to happen. And, and the world is like, whoa, you know, eBay is starting to like become a giant AOL is starting to like, they, you know, they think they're about to take over the world, but they're about to like they're, lose everything. Right. All As the technology changes. Released. Yeah. That's wild. And, yeah. Yeah. So I, that's, that's, that is my first client. I called one of my best friends from high school who I hadn't talked to since then. Somebody had told me he'd started a company I called him up and I'm like, Hey, Jason, you need a website for your company? Yeah. And he's like, I think we might have a page. I don't know. Let me ask around. <laughs> that, but that was the answer that a lot of people get, you know, there was that. And there was like a lot of companies who were like, I know I need one, what I just said. I know I need one, but I don't know what it's for. Yeah. And then it yeah. became later that, that we started trying, you know, people like you and, and me, we started trying to figure out, okay, what can you use this for? That's just beyond being, you know, an online an unprintable brochure. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. Google, Google had the answer. Yeah. Right. And as soon as Google hit the scene and the search engine started to monetize with ads, that, that yeah. was the beginning. That was the beginning of, of my career 
and all of my peers started right. started when Google monetized with ads. Right. Because the second that happened, it, it became a money game, right? Like and a competition game. And anybody who didn't know about this was about to get their lunch taken by, you know, they're in the yellow pages and they're about to get their lunch. Uh, as funny as it sounds, I was actually an English major. So I'm a communication. I knew guy. I liked you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, creative writing was, you know, was, was my, was my game. And so at, in 2002, as I'm building my first website, I'm coding it. I, I have a hacked version, you know, don't put this on the record, but I mean, I, I was, I was a penniless college student, but I absolutely had, you know, a pirated version of Adobe Photoshop at the time. Yeah. I had a pirated version of something called Dreamweaver, which Dreamweaver, as interesting as it sounds, yeah, here we go. I, remember Dreamweaver. I do remember Dreamweaver. Dreamweaver, the first time I saw the Dreamweaver interface right. is the first time I knew that this was my future career. Interesting. Because I am split left brain, right brain. Yeah. I am, I am right down the middle. I, I, I need creativity and I need order and chaos, like, like as a yin and a yang. And when I opened up the Dreamweaver interface where on one side is the code and the other side is the design, yeah. I was like, this is, you know, this was my matrix. This was Nirvana for me. I was like, okay, I'm in, I'm all in. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. And uh, yeah, so I hit the ground running and I was, I was coding the websites. I was designing the websites. I was writing the copy for the websites. I was doing search engine optimization almost before people even knew that was a thing. Right. And I'm running ads on Google. I, I am, I am, I didn't realize it at the time, but I am a full service marketing agency. And I was, I was minting millionaires left and right and doing it basically for free because I'm my dad. <laughs> right. Right. And that's, I don't want to say that's, that's not an uncommon story, but you know, you hear versions of that same kind of story a lot. Um, and, and uh, so what, what, what made the change? What made the, what, what so, forced your hand? What forced you to realize that what you were doing was was more valuable than you were getting paid for? So it, it, it's kind of funny how it turns out, but it, there was definitely definitely a really big turning point. Mm -hmm. So, um, as my clients started.